0: Hello, and welcome to the Color of Youth podcast. In this episode, we spoke to influencer, actress, and model Tara Rani on her experiences as a queer woman of color in the media. We hope you enjoy. My name is Miguel Chiappetta, and I'm founder and co-president of Color of Youth. Today, I'm joined with my fellow co-president, Destiny Smith-Sarter, and the special guest, Tara Rani. Thank you for being here, Tara. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Hi, my name is Tara Rani. I am an actress, writer, and model. Um, I'm currently working on the show *Grownish*, where I play a first-generation Indian um, student who's pre-med and um, I've also been a pretty loud advocate for queer youth and um, queer culture. And I also write a series of queer short films.
0: It sounds like you have a lot of different experiences and passions and interests. So I guess my first question would be, was this what you always wanted to do? Did you always know you wanted to be an actor? Or is that something that you found a passion for later in life?
1: Yeah, I've always been really interested in acting um, pretty much since middle school or since elementary school, really. Um, I was always like writing little skits and sketches and performing them. And then I did um, speech in high school, which is where I really kind of came into my my performance bag. Um, I did humorous interpretation and dramatic interpretation.
0: Something I found so impressive and so interesting about you is that you're a young person who's accomplished so much already so early in life. You know, you've been in Grownish, you're a TikTok influencer, and you've modeled in Vogue with your partner. These are things that a lot of young people can't say that they've done, so I would just love to get some insight on how you went from childhood from having this passion for acting to where you are now.
1: Yeah. Um so I grew up with immigrant parents. Um, I kind of knew coming out of, I knew coming out of high school, I wanted to be in film. And what I was noticing when I got to college with a lot of students who were studying film was that they didn't necessarily have jobs after college. And I was like, that's not really an option for me. Um, and you know, I don't, I didn't necessarily have a situation where my parents could like fund my whole life while I go volunteer on a film, you know? Um, I think a lot of people or a lot of people in the industry don't really tell us like the realities of like the financial realities of the industry. So in college, I double majored in film and computer science. Cause I was like, I need to study something where I know I'll always have a job. Um, and I'll worry about the rest later. <laughs> um, so I studied computer science. Um, I worked in tech for a couple of years out of college. And then basically was just doing a lot of writing and acting on the side as kind of like a side hustle. And yeah, with like was just working really hard on the side of my day job basically. And I was lucky enough to get scouted to get street scouted in New York as a model, which was really cool. And I feel really lucky. It's, it was like so random. Um, and then kind of made my way up through the agency world and then with acting, yeah, I'd been producing a lot of my own content, doing a lot of indie films. And one day, honestly, one of my TikTok friends sent me the casting for Grownish. They were looking for a queer young woman um, for their new season. And so I applied and here we are.
0: <laughs> oh, so you clearly, obviously, you wouldn't be able to plan being scouted off, you know, New York City streets. So I guess my question would be, how did you adjust to that when that really modeling really wasn't in your plan initially? And what was that experience like?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you really can't plan for anything. That's a good question. Um, I had transitioned the same week I got scouted as a model. Actually, I transitioned to being essentially like a freelance engineer with my own company. Um, to give me a little bit more like flexible timing because before that I actually worked at Google. And so it was like kind of like a nine to five, like you have to come in the morning and leave in the end of the day. So I couldn't really do other stuff outside of work, like modeling where, you know, you have to come to set at this time and you're there all day. Um, So for me, I think like, honestly, getting that CS degree was probably the best thing I did because it is the type of career where, you can work at a big company and work a nine to five, but you can also kind of work on your own terms.
0: So, in addition to being a model an actor, you're also a TikTok influencer. You also have a very large following on TikTok and other social media platforms. So, is that something that was a goal of yours? Did you set out thinking, "Oh, I want a large TikTok following," or I wanted a large social media social media presence, or is that something that kind of happened more spontaneously?
1: It kind of happened spontaneously. I think like a lot of other people I got on TikTok during the pandemic, I think like in 2021. Yeah, maybe last year. Um, and I was kind of just talking about things that were important to me, like culture and feminism and queer issues. And then um, and then I was like, wait, this is kind of a cool medium to make art. And that's I just started making my short films on there too because I was like, oh, well, I don't really have like a production budget and like it's COVID, but I love making stuff. I love writing stuff. I love shooting things on my phone, and I realized TikTok was kind of the perfect medium where I could like put work out for people to see and like comment and engage in, um, and that was really that was really fun because otherwise, I think when you're someone who's interested in making films. It's like you have to wait a long time between when you write something and when something gets funded to actually make it. So it was really fun to just be able to like write these little scripts and shoot it on my phone with my friends and then put it out into the world.
0: Just from seeing your work as a model, as an actor on Grownish, and your, you know, creation of short films on TikTok, I'm seeing a lot of themes of being a queer Desi woman of color. How does this experience, how does your identity inform the plots that you write and kind of the creative process around the plots that you write? And how does it kind of influence the kind of characters that you want to be and the kind of characters that you want to write?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess I'll answer the first question first. Um, so in terms of the plot of the series, honestly, I kind of just freestyled it, Um I had to think about plots that were really simple that I could reasonably shoot on my phone with like no special effects or no special camp. You know, like, I think my main priority was like, how do I tell a love story on a budget (laughs) and on my phone? Um, And the plot for anyone who hasn't seen is basically the story follows a young girl, me, um, who kind of falls in love with, in New York with another woman, and um, they go through a bunch of fun adventures, and her parents don't accept her. But then in the end, everybody in the world turns gay after she makes a wish to a magical genie. And then it's all just fun and games after the whole world is gay. Um, so at first, it was really just like I wrote the first episode thinking it would be a standalone thing, and I just was kind of playing around. Um, and I knew I wanted to write kind of just like a fun and cheeky falling in love story. Um, and then I just kept writing like another episode, another, like the first one got a million views. And then I was like, oh, people really like this. So maybe I should write a follow up. And then I was like, oh, people like this. Let so me write a follow up. So it was kind of just like improvising as I went along. I think you um, asked a really good question about being queer and being a person of color and like how that influenced my writing um i think all the stuff i write whether it's on tiktok or my scripts like my hefty scripts that i have on my computer um i think they're mostly about like queer love stories i think we don't they don't those never get enough screen time um and also i'm a big believer in like radical um optimism like what does the future look like like what does what does the future look like after we like abolish private property and abolish capitalism and like abolish racism like what does that look like I think that's kind of the world that I like to write in um and as an Indian person I love like magical realism and I love like all the just the crazy stuff that happens in like Indian folk tales. Um, is really inspiring to me. It's just, like, so absurd and so fun and whimsical. Um, So I think in writing this TikTok series, it's, like, I wanted to tell a grounded sort of queer love story, but then that has a twist where it's, like, you know, like, everybody in the world turns gay. Which, that's probably not going to happen in real life, but I do see in the future, like, at some point, we're going to, like, abolish gender. Like, we're not going to be thinking it in such binaries i think you know maybe in a hundred years down the road and i'm like oh that's like the space that i want to like create in and think about what that world looks like so that was kind of my inspiration and like i guess that twist in that part of the plot
0: i love the idea of radical optimism and how it kind of examines a world where we don't have these oppressive structures anymore and we've gotten rid of all of these binaries these constraining binaries. So what I'm wondering is does your vision for the future impact the kind of work that you produce and the kind of things the kind of projects that you get involved in?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I think about that a lot as a performer especially like in my role in Gronish where I'm playing a queer Daisy character. Um I want to, like, I think it's hard representing the group, of course, like, a lot of artists talk about that, where, like, you want to represent people, you want to represent your people well, but you also want to be, like, realistic, and in my case, like, I also want to be, like, futuristic, like, I want this character to be aspirational for young queer people and young queer Theses. Um Yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure I've, like, figured out the answer to that question.
0: Of course, that's okay. There's obviously, it's difficult to kind of find that balance and to kind of find what's comfortable to you and what feels authentic. But I guess my next question would be, you mentioned a lot about writing and you obviously are you know passionate about writing these short films that you publish on TikTok and whatnot. So is writing the next step for you, do you think? Is that something that you kind of see in the future? Is that the main goal? or is right now your focus mainly on acting?
1: Yeah, I definitely, um, want to also write my own show and films. Um, I've written a bunch that are kind of just in the Google drive, but I think I'm focusing on acting first in the professional field while I hone my craft as a writer. Um, and also figure out the best way to like get my writing funded and, um it's all very complicated once you're like actually in the industry i'm like oh my god i can't just like make tiktoks and get a show greenlit i have to you know do all these bureaucratic things first um so right now i'm really focusing on acting and then writing is definitely kind of like the second priority
2: hi um this is destiny i know you mentioned that you majored in computer science which is something that i'm really interested in but how did you decide that was going to be like your i'm gonna put this in earphones like your safe job in case you couldn't immediately get your writing and directing off the ground?
1: Yeah. I mean, at the time I, so I had interned at NBC um, in college and realized that the whole, like the television industry, like the cable industry was kind of crumbling. Like the 30 rock building itself was kind of crumbling and, you know, Netflix had taken over and Spotify had taken over all of these streaming services that are essentially just tech companies um, had really taken over the marketplace. And so I was like, wait a minute, I can't start my my career in something that's crumbling. Um, and computer science felt like something where I was like, oh, maybe one day I could like work at Netflix as an engineer, or work at Spotify. So it kind of felt like it was the middle point between film and TV and, and like a stable job. But also I was seeing a lot of students who were graduating from computer science. Like they all had jobs. Like for me, that was really the priority. And, you know, if 90% of the students from the computer science department had jobs, but only 10% from the film department, you know, like that, that's how I was thinking about it as that was my priority was like, I need to have a job.
0: I really love how you kind of prioritized making sure that you were going to be financially stable and prioritizing well-being, because it's really important that, you know, you don't give up your passion and your dream, but it's also important to be realistic. So I think your kind of experience is really um, helpful for other people who want to pursue something that's not always guaranteed a job. Um, But moving to something that you talked about earlier is being a good representation for the group and kind of wanting to be the best representation that you can be and being authentic and that kind of thing. I was wondering if you could touch more a little bit on that and kind of explain what that's been like for you.
1: Yeah. um, I think representation is, it can be a double-edged sword where um, yeah, on the one hand, because there are often so few of us, you know, various minorities in film and TV we feel like we have this huge burden to be like the perfect representation of our community and our group. Um, and the other side of that is that of course no one's going to be a perfect representation of an entire group. Um, you know, unless you're stereotyping an entire group of people, like everyone's experience within a certain community is going to look different. And so, um, you know, even, like, my character and I, we have such different... We've gone through the world in such a different way, even though, like, we're both Desi. But we, like, almost have nothing in common. Um, and so as an actor, it's, like, you want to be truthful to your community and you want to represent them well, but you also want to be really truthful. Um, and I think that what it, mean, like what it means to me to be a good representation is, like, to just make sure that the writing feels truthful that if you notice something is off, you know, try and chat with the writers or the showrunner or the director to be like, Hey, you know, this seemed a little off to me, you know, stuff like that. Just having a bit of a, a dialogue as the actor with the team who's writing is good. And then also like, if there's a difference between your character and who, like your background to ask people in that community, like, Hey, like, I don't know, my character is doing this on the show. Like, have you ever done that in your community or culture? You know, like just kind of talking to other people and, um, within your, like, even though they're within your community, it's like, we've also had different experiences. So like just making sure that you're speaking with other people in your community and like hearing about what they've been through.
2: You talked about having acted as a very different character than who you are. When you're writing, do you think you try to make characters that are much more dynamic than you? or Not dynamic, but different? Or do you think you tend to have them stick closer to what you know and who you are? That's
1: a good question. Um, I think every character that I've written has some relation to me. Um, There's always an element Yeah, I'm like thinking of like, I mean, I've written so many characters at this point, but I think there's always an element of me or a previous version of myself or something that happened to me that I kind of like extricate from. Um, So yeah, I would say there's always something that's related to me, but I try not to write characters that are just like me.
0: Looking back at your work, there are a lot of people of color and a lot of queer stories, And what I'd love to know is why is representing queer people of color important to you? And why is having queer people in media important?
1: Yeah, I think um, the industry is changing a lot, the media industry, where we are seeing more representation. But I think what's really challenging is the people at the top haven't really changed Um, as much as, you know, we might see a lot of diversity in the actors, but there's not as much diversity when it comes to the writers and the executive producers and the producers and the directors. So for me, the reason it's important to create content is because then like all the people making the decisions, AKA me and my friends are queer people of color. And so that type of content is going to be fundamentally different. I think it's going to be a lot more grounded in our experiences and that makes it feel like we have a little more ownership and agency over it, and I hope, obviously, to see more diversity in those higher levels of the industry as time
0: goes on. Do you see yourself ever moving into those higher roles or pursuing those higher roles in the film industry, or are you more passionate about writing and acting?
1: Yeah, I definitely, I would really love to direct someday. Um, I'm not sure that I'd want to be like a producer (laughs) um but yeah I definitely see myself being a director
2: and obviously you've kind of mentioned this when you thought about what you want for the future of the world and for media or representation in media on a more technical level but when it comes to actual shows and like their writing what are some things that you think you would love to see in the future as media continues to change yeah I think um
1: I think kind of related to, to the last question we were talking about is, um, seeing the writing room diversify where stories feel really grounded in our experiences. Um, it's definitely already happening and, and grownish I think is a great example of that where the writer's room is really diverse and it shows in the writing, um, or in the, in the final product, I should say. Um, but yeah, I think I want to see writing that feels really grounded in unique experiences. Um, That's probably my main like broad overarching thing, but um, overall I would like to see more sort of radical optimism. Like can we use television and media as a means to imagine the future? Um, I think there's a lot of nostalgic content in the world. Like there's so many period pieces and, you know, like nostalgia can be good, but nostalgia can also be really bad because I think like period pieces really glorify the past and the past for most of us was like not super awesome. Um, I think Bridgerton is a cool example of like shifting that where they were like, okay, yeah, obviously like the 1800s were like not great for most of us, but they made it, they made it super different and almost like sci fi. Um, but yeah, I'd really like to see more sort of futuristic content, more content that can drive um, just like a better,
0: better world. <laughs> I love the mindset of how can I use what I'm doing to make the world a better place? So, my question is who or what inspired that for you? Who kind of gave you that idea that what I do? Should help people and make the world a better place?
1: That's a good question. I think I've always been really inspired by my grandparents um, in India who were freedom fighters and sort of brought about the Indian Revolution um, and overthrowing the British rule of India. And they've always been just like really important pillars to me. And I think from a really young age, You know, like, talking about revolution from a young age just, (laughs) I think, does that. Um, You know, I think a lot of young kids, especially in America, who grow up more privileged, like, they don't learn about revolution in a real way. Like, it's very, first of all, I think they learn about it later in life, like, in high school and college. And, like, it still feels kind of at an arm's length distance. So I think to grow up with revolutionaries, like, really always set my mind in, like, how can we make things better? How can we move forward? How can we, like, get rid of things that are bad? Um, and my parents, as well as immigrants, I think, you know, although my parents aren't revolutionaries um, in the sense of my grandparents, I think something that's really cool about immigrants is, like, they seek out a life that they they can't, they don't know what's on the other side of it. Like, they are true, like, imagineers and, like, creators. And, like, they create they like move across the world without knowing what's on the other side and what their life will look like. And they know it's going to be totally different. And I think in that sense, like my parents really inspired me that they like did that. Like I could never do that. I'm like, I'm just like writing my little scripts. They're like, they like literally moved across the world with no internet, like crazy. So I think um, my family has definitely inspired me to like, just imagine beyond what I can see.
2: That is so cool. Um, and obviously you talked about how you don't know that you could do that, but even though you didn't do something as different as your grandparents and parents did, I really do think that you are an inspiration. So I was wondering, you know, how does it feel to know that you are inspiring others and what do you want people to learn
1: from you? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, it's definitely been like really beautifully overwhelming to get such a positive response, um, from TikTok and Instagram of like, I just get so many like queer youth who reach out to me all the time and, um, both engage in my content, but also like individually reach out to me. And it feels really cool to be like that older sister figure that like, I didn't have necessarily like a queer older sibling who can kind of like help guide your thinking. And, um, yeah, like it, it's, really like humbling and it feels really important. And I think it's also like when I'm on set or I'm writing, it's like, those are the people that I'm thinking about. And like, those are the people that I'm accountable to. And so for me, that's like very grounding.
2: What do you want people to learn from you?
1: Mm -hmm. I think I want people to take away, maybe how to find like an inner confidence and how to think outside of the box And also, I guess, like, what, like, what can they do to make their world and the world, like, better and, like, bring, I don't know, how can we, how can we just, like, blow up everything and make it better, you know? (laughs)
2: Like
0: how you mentioned finding your inner confidence So my question is, how did you find yours? How did you find your inner confidence? Um, That's a great question. Like, damn, I talked a real big
1: game in the last answer. Um, I think, okay, well, for one, definitely just like fake it till you make it. Like, I don't think I really was a confident person until like a year ago. Um, But I would just kind of like pretend to be and over time, when you, like, pretend to do something for long enough, you kind of become it. But also, I think, really, like, listening to my inner voice and, like, facing myself, whether it's in my diary or through another means of expression, like, really just, um, I think, trying to hear myself and see myself, like, fully and just listen to my inner voice instead of listening to anyone else um I think that's how ultimately like I became more confident
2: how did you do you think strengthen your inner voice because like you said it is kind of easy to listen to other people and start overthinking anything that you thought might have been a good idea how did you grow from that
1: yeah that's a good question um for me like books have always really been my I don't know my savior or something it was like a public library kid who grew up into a public library adult um I think like I take a lot of breaks from social media and just spend a lot of time reading to learn new ideas like I read a lot of nonfiction about feminism about our world about um like indigenous communities like just reading about other philosophies of life that maybe I that I am not a part of, or that I don't know about has really opened my mind to like, think of different ways that I can think and different ways that I can live my life that maybe I didn't learn from my parents or my community. Um, so I think just like reading and writing in my journal and not being on social media, which sounds crazy as someone who is very much on social media, but just like I take big breaks um, and I have a lot of boundaries around social media because I think it it just like dampens my brain or something like I feel like I can't think when I'm like on it
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense well Destiny and I both love reading and are really avid readers so I have to ask do you have any book recommendations are there any books that have really blown you away that you think Everyone needs to read this. I'm
1: trying to think of the name
0: of the book I just read. It was so long.
1: Okay, we'll skip that one. I'll tell you later. Um, I really like Trick Mirror, which I just read by Gia Tolentino, which is actually a lot about um, the digital age and how it's impacted, especially women and feminism. Um, but it's about, yeah, I guess I would say it's, it's really about the digital age and how feminism and capitalism, um, have changed because of social media and reality TV and things like that. So I would say if you're interested in media, if you're interested in feminism, if you're interested in social media and the digital age, definitely a great book. Um, I just read a book called to paradise. That's kind of like a futuristic book. Um, it takes, it's like alternative fiction or alternative history. I forget the classification, but it basically takes place in a world where uh, gay people were accepted. Part of the book takes place in the 1800s. Then it takes place in like in the future. And then it takes place like way in the future. It's like three books in one book. And that was like a crazy, I'm still processing the book, but if you're looking for a truly wild alternative history, that's a good book. Um, what else have I read recently? Oh, I wish I could remember the name of that. Oh, Duty Free Art. Art in the Age of Digital Something. Great. Just finished it. Blew my brains out. It's also kind of about the digital age and um, how like our minds have changed, how the economy has changed. It's about fascism. It's about art. It's about time and space um I'm saying a lot of words and I probably sound like a headass but it's a great book
0: (laughs) those all sound so interesting I'll definitely have to check those out after this but one more thing I wanted to touch on was in addition to modeling in addition to acting in addition to writing you also seem to be really good at art I was looking at your TikTok and I found for example that one table you made so I would just love for you to talk about you know what does your art mean to you, and why it's important?
1: Yeah, I think again, I'm just really inspired by my culture. I spend I spend a lot of time just getting lost in like old Indian architecture and stories, and um, we have a long history of painting and woodwork. Um, so I found a lot of joy in in both of those things. But yeah, they're I don't know I think that's just it. It's just fun. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so as someone who really loves art myself, I often find myself drawing from my own culture and my own experiences. So could you kind of talk about how you use your culture as a muse for your art?
1: Yeah, I think the main thing when I look at a lot of Desi art, and I think this is true across a lot of Asian cultures, is there's something really harmonious about the images. Like there's a lot of symmetry. There are a lot of like shapes that are taken from nature, whether it be leaves or sun rays, things like that are very core elements to a lot of Indian design. So there's something about just like looking at those things that it's like everything in my brain locks into place. And I'm like, that is harmonious as book. Um, and so I try to like create things that feel like that. Like I love symmetry. Um and I do a lot of painting of like figures. I I like to draw gay ladies who are very powerful. I draw a lot of, or I paint a lot of women and fire, like women with fire. I've always seen fire as like a really important element, which again, also goes back to a lot of like uh, Hindu mythology and kind of like the elements of the earth. And also I think fire is really beautiful because it's like It's destruction, but it also, like, means that you can bring about something new. I also think I have a very fiery personality. I'm really, like, burn it all down. That's kind of my vibe.
2: (laughs) So your culture is really important to you, and mine is also very important to me, but I feel like sometimes it can be hard to embrace because people will judge you or mock you. Mm. How did you keep a connection to your culture without feeling ashamed of maybe, like, western ideals I think
1: I mean I think being the child of the internet was really valuable in that in this regard because I was able, even though like where I grew up there weren't really people like me but because the internet I knew there were they were out there somewhere and I've been able to really cultivate a community both online and in person now in New York um, of other people who don't necessarily even look like me, but just, we have similar values and we're interested in, in, um, similar things. So I think, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm like, I feel like the internet really like helped me not be afraid because I knew I could like express myself and find other people who were interested, um, in my like life at school. I mean, definitely more challenging, I would say where I think I, hid my culture more and just was like, let's just get through the day. Like, let's not ruffle any feathers. Let's not make ourselves too loud. Like, let's just power through. And then soon I will be out of this godforsaken town.
2: That was kind of my vibe. <laughs> Definitely. You mentioned how important social media was when you were coming of age. And how do you think that social media, when you're growing up, impacted you? Like, how do you, like, how did you discover what ultimately helped you become who you are? If mm. That's not too big of a question.
1: No, I think that's a really good question. I was always really, really inspired by fashion, film, and television because, I could see forms of expression and different kinds of people that were, that were different than the types of people I grew up with. were all kind of the same, um, not to stereotype them, but you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I think those things helped me imagine like, okay, there's something outside of my town for me. Like I can't get it here. And again, I'm just going to power through, you know, till I'm 18 and I can leave. Um, Yeah, I think, I think fashion was really cool because it kind of like, it aesthetically breaks your conception of like, what's normal and what's viable. Um, like you might not think that consciously when you're looking at like a crazy ass outfit on the runway, but I think subconsciously seeing different aesthetics, it just makes you believe like, oh, there's something, there's something possible that's beyond like what I can see in front of me. Um, So I think fashion was probably the most important thing for me growing up in terms of like what I was seeing in the media and social media. I would say on the other hand, something that really was detrimental for me was seeing like all the girls in my town going out together. And it's like, you know, these are all white groups of people where it's like, oh, I will never be like them. I'm never going to get that invite. But I think the dichotomy of that is what made me Powerful because I was like, you know what, I don't need to go to the cheesecake factory with you, Stacy. I am going to be in vogue someday, <laughs> and that's what I care
0: about. So to wrap things up, color of youth's audience is mostly, if not completely, young people. So what advice do you have to those young people on living as a queer woman of color?
1: I would first say always prioritize your safety
0: and security. Um,
1: I think there's a lot of pressure to come out. There's a lot of pressure to be unapologetically gay and loud. And I think first and foremost, like I hope that people take their security and safety first. Um, I know it's not always the best option to come out. It's not always the best to be out and proud. So I think definitely take your time and like, just make sure that you have somewhere to sleep at night first. And Secondly, I would say if you do, if you do feel secure and you feel safe and financially secure, that definitely find your community, find your people that are going to support you emotionally. Um, Growing up is like really hard. Like I'm still growing up and it's really hard. (laughs) Um, And the thing that holds me down is my relationships with, with other queer folks and, um, and other artists and people who are interested in having like strong relationships
0: okay so just to wrap it up thank you so much tara for coming on the show and for being our first guest on the color of youth podcast it means so much your experiences your story your ambitions your passions your talents are all so incredible and so inspiring so thank you thank you so much for being on this show
1: thank you you guys are really awesome and i'm really excited. And this is like a great resource that I wish I had. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. That means a lot. So again, my name is Miguel. I'm founder and co-president of Color of Youth. And today I was joined with Destiny Smith-Sarter, co-president of Color of Youth and actress, model and writer Tara Rani. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Color of Youth podcast. To learn more about Color of Youth and what we do, please visit our website at www.colorofyouth.org and follow us on Instagram at the Color of Youth.